Hello, and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including Table Lay Talk with Gary Kent, Point of Order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, Future Focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast, and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Said. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. I'm your host, Tim Birch, and well, spring is right around the corner. And what does that usually bring? Well, for NSPS, that brings our spring business meeting in Arlington, Virginia, and it also brings the our Capitol Hill visit, our day on the hill. So our esteemed guest today, which uh, really needs no introduction, but hey, f- you know, for episode's sake, let's introduce him anyway. Uh, guest today is John J.B. Bird, uh, the, our NSPS federal lobbyist. Uh, for those who know him, we you know what we love him. We uh, we love love chasing him around uh, Capitol Hill and every place else in between. So, J.B., thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to to join us and talk about Day on the Hill. Thank you so much, Tim. I appreciate the opportunity to, to join you on this on your podcast. And uh, it's an honor and privilege to be the federal lobbyist for the National Society of Professional Surveyors. And um, I'm also with the firm Miller Wendell Capital Strategies, and we've been representing NSPS at the federal level since 2012. Yeah, I was going to say it's been been quite a number of years, and it's been a great great relationship. And um, I guess that's the beauty of it. It's now down to a science. Uh, Miller Wendell has this down to a science for us uh, with uh, at your lead of this whole Capitol Capitol Hill visit, the day on the hill. Um, so we typically go with three specific talking points. So lay it lay it down for us. What are we What are we talking about this year? Because a lot of times, if you know, for members to go to the Hill, it's, well, what's ever on their mind? Well, no, we're an organized uh, association and we want to be concise with our legislators. So what are the three topics this year? Yes, uh, we can get into full detail uh, later, but the, the the quick read, Tim, is the three issues. First off is monument preservation. Uh, we hear this from our friends out West, but also all around across the country, whether it's wildfires or flooding. But the idea is to try to uh, help uh, the surveying profession protect monuments. And uh, so we are advocating some reforms. Uh, Second issue is professional licensure and the deregulation that's underway at the state level. How can we leverage federal legislation to go to bat for the surveying profession? Uh, And the, the goal there is to help educate members of Congress on the importance of the surveying profession and why uh, we should be treated differently when it comes to deregulation. And it is important for the public health, welfare, and safety to be protected. The surveying profession has a role, and therefore uh, we're trying to push back on the current trend in state legislatures to deregulate. Um, The third issue, is uh, workforce development oriented. And in the Department of Defense, among other federal agencies, there is what's known as the Transition Assistance Program or TAP. And we are pursuing a provision in the 2025 National Defense Authorization Act, the 
annual defense bill, we're trying to place a pilot program in Department of Defense to help servicemen and women and their spouses transition from being service members to uh, finding new employment in the civilian world. And, and for some occupation service codes, military occupation service codes, there's a great opportunity to find those folks that understand topography, elevation, contours, and put that into play for defense purposes. And as they transition out to civilian life, hey, those are logical next members of the surveying profession. So we'd like to have a pilot program in DOD to help transition, again, those servicemen and women and their spouses into the surveying profession. So those really quick, those are the three issues that we will be taking to the Hill on Tuesday, April 23rd, Tim. Very good. And before we jump into the specifics of those three talking points, I wanted, wanted to just let's I want to talk about those visits that we're going to have this year, because unfortunately, the way the calendar worked out for the first time in many years, our availability with hotel and and student competition and things is going to conflict a little bit with the availability of our elected legislators. But let's talk just for a moment about staff and what what kind of staffers uh, who literally are, are uh, I, I, I seriously think most of them just stepped out of high school, much less college when, when you look at them. But let's can we talk about that and how eager and how um, how effective it is working with staff to get these points across uh, in taking back to the, 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 the elected uh, officials and making making uh, effective statements in our behalf? That's a great point, Tim. So I think the easy way to, to translate uh, the importance of how valuable the use of time and actually meeting with congressional staff is, typically whether you're a member of Congress, a senator, someone who's been elected to federal office, one of the first things you do is hire up staff to, to actually staff your respective office, especially in Washington, D.C. So what you end up having are typically either uh, freshly graduated students out of college or out of grad school who pursue uh, policy on Capitol Hill. And the logical home for them is to actually staff uh, and be a part of the Capitol Hill process. So they'll apply to uh, become a staffer, typically legislative staff, more oriented to handling policy in a House office or a Senate office. And what a member of Congress or a senator will do they'll delegate a lot of responsibility to those staffers who know what they're doing. They're very well-educated for the most part. They are passionate about politics and policy, and they serve as the conduit between the constituent who comes in and meets and, and you know comes to Washington, D.C. for, in this case, an NSPS day on the Hill. And they're kind of, they're, they're the middleman, middle person between the member of Congress and those folks who elected them or just in general are a constituent in that congressional district or if it's a senator of that state. And so they are they these staffers are very, very clued in. They they have a lot of say when it comes to advising a member of Congress or Senator, their boss, if you will. And so they're there you can't undersell how important these staffers are to the process. And uh, when an NSPS member flies halfway across the country or drives several hours to make it to Capitol Hill, 
it is well worth that effort because whether you meet with a member of Congress or their staff, these are the, pe the key people that influence the marketplace, the, the legislation that impacts the surveying profession. Absolutely. And what I've appreciated about these staffers, whether or not the elected officials there or not, uh, because the staff, I mean, each of those staff members are, I won't say necessarily specialized, but what you're talking about is their area of interest. Whereas, and this isn't to knock a congressperson or, 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 uh, or a senator, they're looking at the big picture. They're almost at the macro level of dealing with everything. And they, and they, like you said, they delegate these, uh, these issues down to these staff people to where they're the ones really listening to what you're having to say. Not like I said, not saying that the elected officials don't listen, but they're picking up bits and pieces. Whereas that staffer is, is diligently taking it all in to help guide that uh, elected official on what is something to support? What is some, what is the next movement, whatever. Um, so this will be a nice opportunity this time. We know we're working with staff and uh, I, I, I have to believe that with Congress in recess, um, it's not like they're sitting back and, you know, feet kicked up eating bonbons. They're they're working hard at this stuff. So we're we're going to have a great opportunity to really engage with that staff on each of these three three uh, talking points. Yeah. So so this typically only happens to us maybe once a decade where it just so happens that the timing doesn't really help. isn't really helpful to having the member of Congress there while the NSPS day on the Hill is. But again, to your point, Tim, uh, this, these staffers get it. They're, they they're gonna they're the ones drafting a memo or telling the their their member of Congress or the senator which way to vote or advising them of the mm -hmm. options and the different constituents that are for or against an issue. So even if uh, in some cases for those folks who are regulars to come into Capitol Hill, sometimes they're just not able even to see the senator or House member when Congress is in session. And so uh, a lot of folks are used to by now meeting with congressional staff one way or the other. At this point, the upside just to meeting with the staffers and being Congress in recess, these staffers don't have their boss in town. They can give mm -hmm. you more direct attention to hear Absolutely. you out. They, there won't be in as much of a rush for you to, to come in and leave the office. So I think what you'll see is... Um, better time, better quality time with these staffers, fewer interruptions, fewer, less competition for their concentration. And so you can actually make a case that if you're going to meet with staff, this is the week to do it. Right. Exactly. So really looking forward to this, this opportunity and said, and also being, it's also an election year that people are wanting to listen to uh, their constituents and really wanting to, to, to focus and, and be in tune with their constituents. So I think this will be a good, good thing. All right, jumping into the talking points, and the first one is is I'll I'll say it as as a surveyor, and I consider myself more of a boundary slash cadastral surveyor. This one is a little little near and dear to my heart: the monument preservation. Obviously, we've had various uh, natural disasters uh, from the hurricanes in the south, from the wildfires out west and and and, and around um, the wild. Actually, the wildfire in Hawaii. A lot of these things that happen are destroying permanent monumentation that goes that is is you know, basically the the backbone of 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 ownership of parcels. So, give us a little taste about what we're trying to do in in 
create some funding to be able to help uh, with the preservation and, and in some cases, reestablishment of existing parcels. Absolutely. So um, exactly right, Tim. So typically what we find is that when we talk to Hill staff, when we talk to members of Congress from those states that are impacted either by wildfires or flooding, they have no idea what we're talking about and what this issue is. And so the last couple of years, we've tried to bring it to key committees of jurisdiction. Typically, that means if it's the Department of the Interior uh, and also the Forest Service, uh, Bureau of Land Management, Forest Service, the largest landholding agencies out there, primarily they're based in the West. That's typically where you'll see an abundance of wildfires. But Department of Homeland Security and FEMA has a major role to play, not just in wildfires, but in the flooding and the hurricanes and all sorts of post-disaster cleanup operations. And so what we've what we're trying to do with our issue this year is to highlight number one, what the heck is a survey mark? What's a monument? What does it actually look like? And then what's the role of the surveying profession in the monumentation? And then what's the threat to either uh, disaster planning or the actual recovery and rebuilding efforts if any of those markers or monuments are destroyed? And so um, what we're looking at is legislation that recognizes the importance of the profession, the importance of the monuments, and how best to make sure the profession is brought in to work with governors, to work with state and local agencies, uh, so that any flow down money flows to, to, again, disaster planning or disaster recovery efforts, that any kind of um, activities have the surveying profession represented and the goal is to preserve these markers to avoid, um, to the extent it's possible, uh, you know, awareness of what they are, where they're located. And then when it comes to the heavy machinery for cleanup of wildfires or cleanup of flooding, to make sure that whatever actually nature doesn't get, that we don't have unnecessary uh, destruction of, of what survives Mother Nature. And so that's the goal uh, with our legislation. In FEMA, uh, there are programs that connect the dots between Department of the Interior and USDA. And in fact, Tim, going back to the, the big infrastructure bill from 2021 that President Biden mm -hmm. signed into law, there is a commission structure to, to start that dialogue between the three departments, Interior, USDA, the agriculture one, and then right. Department of Homeland Security, where FEMA resides. And part of that discussion is how do governors work with those three departments as, again, part of the disaster planning and disaster recovery efforts. So the goal is let's find a way policy-oriented to make sure that the local experts on the ground from the surveying profession can advise the governors, can advise the agency heads that are spearheading these efforts. Yeah, because it's something I didn't realize and until talking to the, a lot of the California folks with these wildfires that, you know, it, it was always my perception that after a wildfire goes through, well, you know, it's just it's burning everything on top of the ground you're going through. We can go find the markers, whatever. The problem being is that 
all of that that burnt material on on that's now you know destruction of the wild because of the wildfire is carcinogenic and they need to take machinery through there and typically they're taking out 12 to 18 inches of ground dirt all of this all of this rubble um and guess what's in that 12 to 18 inches that's our survey pins that's it our survey markers that uh, we need a better way to be able to to preserve and to reestablish a lot of these things that it's not just as easy to go back out and recover a few and get them going no it the the ground really has to be uh reworked uh to get things started so yes it is a big process and uh you know that's the other part is making sure that the states have the ability to use these funds um because that was another question that was that was raised during some of the 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 wildfire talk was well you know why don't we have a bunch of of surveyor volunteers from around the country come in and and help with in these different states um we've got to remember it, serving is state specific and it needs to be done under the direction of, of somebody that's licensed in that state that it's it's easy to say, oh, I can just come in and help help uh, recover this stuff. But uh, unless you're unless you're licensed there or are very familiar with the the locals there, uh, it's it's a tough thing. So this is a great this is a great direction. This is a great in, um, a discussion to have with the the, the uh, legislators because it is so badly needed. Absolutely. And and. The other two items that I'd bring up for past NSPS policy objectives and achievements, quite frankly, are two items that are somewhat connected that can be leveraged as part of this discussion. Yep. First off is President Biden signed into law the omnibus bill back in for fiscal year 23. Part of that bill had the compromised version of the FLARE Act, the Federal Land Asset Inventory Reform Act, the FLARE Act. And that's basically land ownership information. That's who, which agencies own, which properties. And so that success can also be leveraged into this discussion because when we're talking about location, location, especially if it's on federally owned property, well, we're we're the ones that led the effort to get a GIS database of all federal assets in, quite frankly, environmental liabilities, but in general, the assets that each agency owns. And so uh, agencies are in the process of trying to implement that bill, but that data set that we've been pursuing can be leveraged for the monument preservation issue. And then secondly, as a lot of this is obviously elevation data oriented as well, uh, USGS has been, or NSPS has been working with USGS on the 3DEP program, the 3D elevation program. And a lot of the governors, a lot of the state and local stakeholders are leveraging 3DEP data for a wide wide variety of applications and benefits. This is the kind of issue when it comes to either flooding and knowing your elevations or knowing the slope for wildfires. That's the kind of elevation data that surveying profession can help uh, in both regards. So we've been pursuing additional funding and plus ups at the federal level for the 3DEP program. And that data, again, can be very helpful for the survey mark preservation issue. Absolutely. And that's, that's great stuff. And like I said, this is the, these are the conversations that, that we need to have at a national level to be able to help all of the states deal with these, uh, these emergencies, these, these situations. Um, you know, it's one thing to come in and have FEMA talking to local landowners about the loss of their houses and, and their, their belongings. But you know, when you try to go back and try to try to rebuild, you got to know where to put it back. I mean, that's and preserving where that goes is a big deal. Um, 
next one, which uh, is also a great big deal, is really kind of the the the, the attack on licensing, the de- deregulation that is trying to take place in in uh, m- many states across the country. Tell us a little bit about what is our uh, approach in in talking to Congress about this deregulation and how we we are a professional uh, a professional occupation per, per se professional uh, uh, career versus an occupational license. Um, so tell us why we're going to Congress about and and trying to to to, to start a dialogue there. Sure, Tim. So um, number one, this will be the second year in a row that we've taken this issue on professional licensure to Capitol Hill. And we're making it a federal issue because it already is one. Uh, And even though typically what we hear from the membership is they are at the state level in the state legislatures, there are efforts to de-license, to deregulate all professions, all occupations. And we're being lumped up in that, that wide net, unfortunately. And what we're trying to identify is that there are certain professions, certain occupations that potentially may not uh, need that high of a hurdle for professional licensure. We're different. And the reason is public health, welfare, and safety. And uh, that's, that's why we have licensing boards. Every state's a little bit different. Uh, we recognize that. But what we've seen is a pattern, regardless of party in the White House, where uh, different presidents, previous president, presidents and current President Biden, they've come out actually for deregulation. And that's a threat to the profession. And uh, so that's what made it a federal issue. What we're trying to pursue is what's known as a sense of the Congress resolution in both the House and Senate to identify, number one, the importance of the survey profession and why it should not be subject to such deregulation and delicensing efforts. The goal, though, is if we can get a House or Senate and or House resolution introduced, most likely it's not going to move anywhere in Congress. But just by having it introduced, it can be leveraged by each state society under attack in their respective state legislatures in the capital and state capitals as a talking point to push back against those who are seeking to deregulate. And the goal is, hey, Congress has literally placed a stake in the ground. They understand why the surveying profession is different. And this is why, X, Y, and Z. And so the goal then is that then each state society can leverage that congressional bill number as part of their narrative that, hey, obviously it's a big issue and name your state, name your commonwealth. But members of Congress also recognize this. And it's just always nice to to dovetail uh, what the federal narrative is to help out the states whenever possible. And that's kind of what we're pursuing at this point. That's great. And then, yes, you're right. In talking to the legislators last year and introducing this to them, there were a lot of of a lot of the the staffers that that at least in the conversations I was involved with, they were very interested in this because, you know, for some of the states, they're they're not aware of some of the efforts going on in other states to deregulate. Uh, 
but it just seems like there still is, especially in, in this economy and uh, trying to reduce barriers to entry for a lot of uh, a lot of other occupations. Surveying's not one of them, and uh, we need to, to stay vigilant on that. So it is very important that we we get this introduced, like you said. At least get it get it acknowledged by the by the House or the Senate, and that way the the states and their licensing boards can hang their hat on. Hey, wait a second, the boys in D.C. are taking a look at this. Boys and girls are taking a look at this, and this is a serious thing. So maybe pump the brakes on deregulating within their own state. Right. And, and all we need is a member of Congress to introduce the resolution. We're very close to having it done. Um, one of the asks, though, when members, uh, when NSPS members come to the day on the Hill is, is to co-sponsor the legislation. And so it always looks better if it's co-signed or co-sponsored by five, 10, 50 members of Congress right. instead of just one. But the importance is at least we have a bill, a resolution that states the importance of the profession it's recognized then at the federal level in congress and that's just that is very powerful then to again as far as how it translates to messaging back in each state capital exactly well I, that 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 is a very important uh talking point that we're trying to make and trying to push this thing along and hopefully uh hopefully by continuing this conversation with them we'll continue to to uh make inroads on getting this thing done the last one, certainly it's last, but certainly not least. Um, and it really seems like this is starting to pick up more momentum because we're hearing of more uh, connection to surveying and the military. And it is a workforce development, overall workforce development. We still need, we you know, still need to think about the future and think about uh, the who the, 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 the next round of surveyors are going to be. But when we've got people coming out of the military that have already have training, already have, uh, you know, the necessary skills to adapt into what we need, we need to figure out a way to make that transition a little bit easier. And I guess that's where the TAP program comes in. And so talk us through what we're asking for as far as working with the DOD and getting this into the into the 25 budget to really, really help help those soldiers make that transition back into civilian life and into a, a great occupation. Yes, Tim. So uh, my colleague, John Pelletiello, who serves as the government affairs consultant for NSPS, uh, he uh, uh, helped arrange some uh, folks from DOD to come out maybe five, six years ago at the previous spring business meeting for NSPS. And we had DOD get involved and walk us through the TAP program. And so uh, John's also identified a certain list uh, of what they call the military occupation occupation service codes MOSs, if I recall correctly, and he found a, a kind of a short list. Several other NSPS members have brought to our attention some additional codes, and so uh, the recognition, though, is that we have kind of a somewhat untapped talent pool in the military that are getting some really good exposure right now in the military. And then again, the, the opportunity is at some point they're gonna transition out to civilian life. And there's probably no better um, you know, profession if they wanna make a lot of money and work outdoors and leverage a lot of the actual day in and day out understanding for topography, elevation, contours, you name it, and using some sophisticated machinery 
equipment that, that relied on a lot of that data as well. And so that's kind of what we're, we're, we're trying to do is to say to DOD, now the good news, a couple of things. Um, this TAP program, even though it's really based in DOD, there are, I think, at least three, maybe four other uh, federal agencies that are involved, like the Veterans uh, Affairs Agency, the VA, and several others, uh, probably the Department of Labor, Department of Education, I'm probably missing one other, but so it's actually a well-known program in the federal government. And there's there's such a thing as the government watchdog, uh, non-biased watchdog in the federal government called the Government Accountability Office, the GAO. And so about 2019, they came out with this uh, very extensive report that took a look at all workforce development programs in the federal government. And they identified the one that had multiple agencies working together, but the best run one, and it was TAP. So the goal is, hey, let's, we, we, you know, maybe not rocket science, but here we have the best performing workforce development uh, coordination at the federal level. It just so happens its home is DOD. Let's see what we can do to speed up the process to helping these folks in the military, or they're serving their country in a very honorable way, they might have spouses that are also connected to what they're they're doing uh, in in uniform, and the goal is, hey, that's a talent pool that we can bring into the surveying profession. And how can we fast track their awareness and their transition out of the military and into the surveying profession? So we're asking specifically for a pilot program for the Secretary of the Department of Defense to coordinate with their other federal partners involved with TAP to just try it out for one year, what they call a pilot, and see if it can be done uh, in an efficient way and uh, hopefully transition and help uh, you know, provide some guidance to folks who may not be aware, even though they're utilizing a lot of the data and they're, they're used to understanding the dynamics and know the math and, and, and what's involved. Uh, but hopefully let them know that this is a profession that's great and would be a good continuation for their skill sets they've 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 learned in the military. Absolutely. And that's you know that's the uh, I think part of the key there is that these veterans are coming out of the military and I think a lot of them are coming out and and not knowing where to turn, not knowing what what their skill set is useful for in the private sector that uh and and i mean obviously they i think they look on you know all all of your uh hiring sites now but if they don't have a lot of public experience or private experience um you know bottom line is we're nsps wants to be there to try to help bridge that gap and show them a pathway uh, utilizing this pro this you know this pilot program through the DoD to help them help them find find the the, the jobs they're looking for, and we're finding the the necessary and educated people that uh, our profession desperately needs. Yeah, so uh, that's yeah exactly if you're right, Tim. So I'm 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 glad I'm glad we're still doing this because I know it, this is a you know, a really not once. Uh, this is a, a very heartfelt project for our current president, uh, Bob Akins, uh, an Army veteran. Uh, we've got a we've got one of our uh, 
uh, one of our directors is is uh, Jeff Clendenning from Alabama, uh, a veteran that's very, uh, very impassioned with this. And it's good to see uh, we've, we've also got a great relationship with actually a big supporter of NSPS, the student competition, a lot of things we do, uh, Sam LLC, that they're really pushing, uh, trying to get more veterans into the workforce as they're as they're uh, uh, getting done with their deployments, getting done with their, their, their service times. Um, it's really a win-win for everyone. And uh, getting the DOD on board is, is, is a good thing. So um, kudos for, for the people that have put this language together and going to make this effort work. And I think it's, it's not going to fall on deaf ears. I think it's going to, I think it's going to uh, really resonate with a lot of our legislators. And the timing is really good for us. If uh, in April, I remember last couple of years, Tim, we've typically gone to the hill in March. So the factor that we're looking at when it comes to this uh, TAP program and DOD, the home for it legislatively is the National Defense Bill. And usually, what we see scheduling wise is towards the end of April is when um, the respective committees of jurisdiction, what we call the House Armed Services Committee and the Senate Armed Services Committee, that's typically when they start their markup of the legislation of the annual defense bill. And so that's it's very good timing that we are going to Capitol Hill then with, with the ask of being supportive and looking for additional help with members of Congress and senators to add this pilot program to the defense bill. So nice. very, very, right before they mark the bill up and you got it. House and Senate. Well, that's some good stuff. Um, for those who are, have the ability to, to join us for, uh, our lobby day efforts, our day on the hill. Uh, you can go to our website. We can go to the 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 day on the hill uh, section. Sign up if you would like. Um, we're you know obviously we the more the merrier. We'd like to have as many show as possible. Uh, we got a pretty good uh, number of NSPS directors coming out, which is always good. Um, while we're talking about this, those are the three main points that that the directors and and other representatives are taking to this day on the hill. Um, I guess as far as a, I'm going to say in an elevator speech version of it, are there any number of a couple of things that our membership should also be aware of, of things that we're watching out there? Not necessarily we're taking today on the Hill, but things that we're watching, um, you know, for instance, what's, is there anything to report on a status of the farm bill or, or, or that type of uh, situations that we're watching? Yes, Tim. So there's a lot going on right now in Congress, it, it, even if there's a lot of contention. Uh, first and foremost is government funding. You know, today is uh, February 27th, and Congress has to actually work together and have the president keep the, the, the government open and funded. And the way that the appropriations work these days, uh, we're still working on fiscal year 24 funding, and we're in 2024. And so March 1st is uh, three days from now, uh, since we're in a leap year, right? Yeah. So three yep. days from now, Friday the 1st, and then the following Friday, March 8th, those are two deadlines where basically the entire federal government is split into two different waves of funding. And if Congress doesn't act by this Friday, you can make the case that roughly half the government will be shut down. The other half has another week, potentially, before it could be shut down. So that's the most immediate thing is how do we keep the government open and what that means for a lot of the federal agency programs, but also policies that are, that come from those agencies that impact the membership and impact 
the profession. So that's first and foremost. Uh, that's what a lot of folks are paying attention to on Capitol Hill these days. But when you step back and take a look at must-pass bills that need to be reauthorized every four or five years, oh yeah, the Farm Bill. So um, back in, I believe, January, there was an extension for the Farm Bill. We we did take the Farm Bill and rural broadband uh, for the Farm Bill last year to Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. What Congress did is they agreed to extend the funding for farm agencies by one year. In other words, they were supposed to run out on September 30th of 2023. They were there's a short-term extension, and eventually they made a an agreement to fund all these farm agency programs through September 30th of 2024, which means they basically had a short-term extension turn into a year-long extension. So what we are now working on is what's called the Farm Bill of 2024. And so, yes, we're, we are still working on the rural broadband issue and what the surveying profession brings to, among other things, precision agriculture and rural connectivity and uh, the use of drones, use of UASs uh, as a result and what that means for the surveying profession working with a lot of rural oriented clients and and, uh, constituencies. So that's one thing we're looking at. Another issue, another big bill that we are definitely trying to work on. There is a September, typically it's a September 30th deadline every year. It seems like now is the FEMA's National Flood Insurance Program, the NFIP. We We do have our own version of a surveying and mapping reform bill for the NFIP program. It's called the Images Act. It is in the House. It's HR 2568, bipartisan bill that goes through the Financial Services Committee in the House. And we are still in the process of trying to identify a senator to introduce it, which would refer to the Senate Banking Committee. So, um, So we are trying to still impact a major reauthorization bill like the NFIP bill that if it does get reauthorized, it would theoretically be a four or five year reauthorization. Uh, but in the short term, it continues to be extended uh, a month here, a couple months there. Uh, we would expect it uh, to, to be extended through September 30th of this year. But that means that we can still work on our Images Act and the reform, vital, vital mapping and surveying reforms through the Images Act. Uh, we, we've already talked about the defense bill. That is an annual bill. So we we typically mm-hmm. get a, a crack at it every year. Um, we've already kind of discussed that a little bit already. The other bill that is up this year, it's usually every two years that we're working on, is the Water Resources Development Act, the WARDA bill. This is the policy bill impacting our friends in the Corps of Engineers and a lot of the projects that get authorized in for WERDA for Corps projects. So we always pay very close attention to the WERDA bill. It's my understanding that tomorrow the Senate uh, Environmental and Public Works Committee, EPW Committee in the Senate, actually will mark up their version of the bill. Uh, And then... Usually the House will have their version of a water bill, and we are hearing that that could come up within the next month or two. Um, so we, we those are definitely big bills that we 
also oriented around infrastructure and water issues and means a great deal to the profession. So those are a couple of the bills we're paying very close attention to. Very good. Well, you know, and I guess that's one of the things that, you know, as, as an executive director and I'm, you know, I try to talk, talk to everybody I possibly can around the country. And a lot of the question, you know, a lot of the simple question comes back around to what does NSPS do for me? Well, and it might seem like a lot of this legislation and a lot of these efforts um, might be well above the pay grade of uh, you know the local surveyor, but it impact it impacts everything we do. And so I'm I'm hoping that uh, that people will listen to these these topics, listen to this these efforts, and realize that you know it at the end of the day it might not seem like uh, this is something that affects their livelihood. Uh, but it does. It's like you just uh, stressed. It is about infrastructure. It is about uh, licensing and regulation and so many things that uh, that that impact who we are and and what what value we provide to the public. So, JB, let me I'll, once again let me thank you for the 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 endless uh, uh, efforts that you put into to chasing around on on Capitol Hill and 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 around for us. Um, we're in good hands, and uh, we look forward to another very successful day on the Hill. This is a big deal, Tim. Uh, huge opportunity for the profession. It's a great working relationship uh, that we have uh, working together with you. Obviously, uh, Mark Sargent uh, from New Hampshire is the Government Affairs Committee Chair, and I mentioned John Pelletiello earlier. We've got a great team working together, but we we rely on the feedback from the members, from the directors. And you know, it's, it's just a big deal to come to Capitol Hill and make sure that the surveying profession's voice is heard in the halls of Congress. And there's no better day to do that than the NSPS Day on the Hill. And just really briefly, two mm -hmm. items, uh, Tim, before we cut out. Um, April 2nd is the registration deadline for the Day on the Hill. So, uh, whether, whether you're still looking at the logistics, uh, you still have some time to, to do some due diligence and, and make it work. But April 2nd is when we close the registration. That page is found on the NSPS website under the advocacy uh, tab. It's the first item, uh, NSPS Day on the Hill. You can find all the resources that we have at this point, including the registration link to register. Uh, so that's April 2nd. When you register, you should receive an automatic bounce back reply email that will also let you know that you are then registered and to save the date for April the 11th when we do our online training webinar. So whether you're a veteran of these days on the Hill or maybe you're a rookie and you're a first timer coming to Capitol Hill, we will have uh, a decent uh, timed um, April 11th, 2 p.m. Eastern uh, to actually run you through these issues even in more detail, but also talk about logistics, about getting around town, getting around Capitol Hill, and how to navigate uh, to make sure that you get as much value, not just for covering the issues, but the use of your time when you're on the Hill. And then uh, finally, Tim, um, yes, we're focusing just on three issues, but like we said, we, we're covering yeah. a wide variety of other issues, and there's a lot of activity uh, especially on issues we haven't even brought up today. For a full disclosure list of all those items on the NSPS website is what's known as the Government Affairs Update. 
that we provide to NSPS, to, to both uh, Tim and Mark and the rest of the, the Government Affairs Committee, and it gets distributed to all the directors. That is found on the, uh, I believe, the meeting reports portion of the NSPS website. So with yes. that, uh, it's great working uh, with everyone. It's a team effort. Uh, this is a very timely time of the year to visit and do the NSPS Day on the Hill. And uh, uh, really looking forward to uh, Tuesday, April 23rd, Tim. Yeah, it uh, it will be a good day. It'll be just after the cherry blossoms, but it should be a nice. It should be, uh, should be. It's always a good time in Arlington in the spring. Uh, it is coinciding with the the NSPS student competition, uh, which will be on the mall and then the some of the scavenger hunts through the through the uh, the district as well as well. Um, always a good time, and so uh, JB. Thank you again for your time today and uh, the thorough explanation, because it is important the things that that you do, things that uh, Miller Wenhold provides, John provides. Um, we we couldn't be as strong of, of of a surveying advocate and promoter if we didn't have you guys uh, out there leading the charge for us. So thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity, Tim. Thank you. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for this week's episode. Uh, we have some interesting things coming up around the corner, uh, including a couple of a uh, couple of educators we're going to talk to, and we're going to lead off just the aforementioned student competition. We've got uh, a few tricks up our sleeve for that. So wherever you listen to this podcast, please subscribe and let us know if any feedback. We'd appreciate it. Other than that, we are out of here. Thank you. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says Podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.